ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Michigan State coach Mel Tucker. Not going there. I think we'll skip the jokes for this week. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is our Clemson Charleston Southern recap. Uh, This is Ben. Tonight I'm joined by Cody. Unfortunately, I'm hosting the show. And Cody hasn't been on in, I don't know, like a year and a half or something like that. So you've got the second string. But if it's anything like Saturday, we're going to outperform the first string. Cody, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. That was a good, that was a good opening line. Was that ad-libbed or did you have that written down? No, that was ad-libbed after the third try. So, um, yeah, here we are, but man, let's let's start with it. Been a while. You've had, uh, a child since the last time we heard from you on here. So I guess that's what's been keeping you busy. How is, uh, how's fatherhood going for you? Fatherhood is great. Uh, the baby little girl is great. Um, people complain about, kids that's all you hear but i'll I'll just say all the positives it's been it's been a blessing it's been nothing but joyous and uh you know sleep sleep is getting harder to come by um the other thing watching college football watching sports you know more broadly is is harder to find time for but like right now it's like the braves i'm still i still lock in she goes to bed we're on the west coast lock into those braves games enjoy that and then you know i got like one spot during the weekend for clemson football and that's what i watch um but yeah that's about it yeah, somehow Tully managed to have two kids and never miss an episode. So um, maybe take some notes from him, or maybe it gets easier with the second one. You just start caring less. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened with Tully. It's like he hit his podcasting stride, like uh, you know, with each additional kid. So I don't. I don't know. I don't. I have to. Yeah, I'll start to talk to him and his wife to figure out how they manage that. Yeah. Well, you know, for the sake of all our listeners, let's hope the same thing happens to you. Um, but anyways, yeah, here we are here to recap the, the Charleston Southern game. Clemson is now one and one on the season. Um, life is, you know, still good. Otherwise, as Tully would say, um, not a lot we could take away from this game. Um, Cody, I genuinely hope that once we move into this kind of next era of college football with all this conference realignment and the expanded college football playoffs that these FCS games, um, go away. Um, I don't really think as a fan, uh, you know, especially for Clemson watching that first half, you only really get the downside of the team that you, that are your takeaways from that game. I don't think that the positives, um, really, you, you have to take those with a grain of salt, just considering the competition. Um, but definitely some downsides in the first half of this game, but yeah, otherwise I think just across college football that we'd be better served if we didn't have these games where the competition was just so, um, drastically different. Yeah, every once in a while you get your Appalachian State up, upsetting Michigan or some SoCon team beating uh, South Carolina, but I don't think it does a lot of good for college football. Like I almost think moving forward, you know, I think you've heard college coaches mention this and Dabo's mentioned it before about not having preseason games. I could see these games being like a preseason game heading into the season. Yeah, to to your point, I would I would rather play them as a preseason game where the stakes are lower. Um, 
I I don't necessarily agree with like there's no use in these games. There's no use from an evaluation standpoint. Like we don't really learn a lot on either side of the ball. But I think it, it does matter from like a Cade confidence standpoint. So like if you're saying we should open against Duke every year, I would say, yeah, that, that would be a good opponent to open up against. And then uh, last week happened. But no, to your point, I, there's not much you can derive from the game. But it, I, I, I do think like seeing Cade, I, he needed he needed like two or three of these. And, for, and unfortunately, he had to face Duke first and he's got Florida State in week four but he needs he needed at least like two or three of these games I think uh, before going into real competition right but I think you can do that against lesser FBS opponents and you don't necessarily need to throw the FCS teams in there um, I think it just brings down the quality of the the sport and the quality of the the, the entertainment value that you get as a fan but Regardless, here we are, you know, 66-17 win by Clemson. It was nice to see some points go up on the board, some red zone scoring, um, uh, the first half notwithstanding. So we're not going to go quarter by quarter, uh, play by play here in this one, much like we did against the Duke game. You know, coming out of the Duke game, that was more of, uh, you know, we were just in shock right after that one, what we saw on the field um now duke did go on and beat lafayette 42 to 7 this week scored 14 more points than they did against us um but still i know that left a bitter taste in everybody's mouth and there was uh some more therapy session type talk going on in that one here we can kind of move on from that but i still want to keep it bigger picture about what we've seen so far from this team given a week to settle after that duke game um and what our thoughts are now moving forward with the season so for you since we haven't had you on yet um, I want to start with what are you seeing so far uh, from this team this year and how does that compare maybe to your expectations? Granted, I know you with the child, you haven't had a lot of time to read up in the off season, but just, um, you know, high level take. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought uh, coming in, I, I really thought this would be a, a bounce back year because, you know, we were on, we've been kind of slowly on the decline the last few years. And I, I thought it has to correct itself at some point. And it just made sense to me with Garrett Riley coming in. This would be the year, Cade uh, in year two. I, I wasn't really bullish on Cade. It was more just, I think he has the right coach and he'll have the right system. And uh, I guess what's really stood out to me, if I had, like, there's a lot of things, obviously, but just one more prevalent theme is the talent level looks so diminished. And if I, and I, I do, I still try, Track the the depth chart. I know the offensive linemen coming in. I know the receivers coming in. I have a sense of like the blue chippers, and what I, I just think we're so we're so close to Duke in talent level that I mean, and to think that like and seeing Florida State and LSU and and Bama and Texas, like, I we're, not, we're we've we've moved so far away from a talent standpoint, particularly at wide receiver. Um, but I I know we don't want to go into each position group, but yeah, high level thoughts is just like our talent level has been diminished like sure coaching is an issue there's a whole laundry list of things but but that's the thing that stands out most to me yeah and i i think in hindsight you know my thoughts coming into the season um was not that this was going to be a rebuild rebuilding year i probably bought too much into the hype of what garrett riley could do coming in here in year one because he still had you know, the, the, a lot of the same players that we've dealt that we've had for the past couple seasons. And then even the freshmen coming in are still obviously freshmen. He's had less than a year to get in and install his system. Um, so I think very much the same way kind of with uh, Chad Morris was he brought in, I guess, during Taj boys first season starting. Um, 
you know, there were, there were some rough starts, um, rough games along the way. So again, yeah, I think in hindsight that we need to adjust as this is probably a bit of a more rebuilding year, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you do have, um, you know, the new, um, um, you know, the coaching staff, the offensive uh, scheme with Garrett Ryland coming in. So you have that to look forward to, but it's going to take a while for that stuff to get ironed out on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think we had a lot of high expectations for that group, still a little bit um, unsure about what Wes Goodwin is going to bring uh, to the defensive coordinator role. But two games into the season, I still don't think we have a lot to tell um, on that side of the ball. Other than that, we see some obvious weaknesses, uh, specifically the defensive end position and Justin Maskell and the lack of depth there. We're going to have a lack of depth at the linebacker position. I think the secondary can needs to tighten up a bit, but I don't, I still don't know what to take away too much from the Duke and now the Charleston Southern games. I mean, Charleston Southern games, I think it's a no brainer. Like they, they didn't move the ball. They didn't do very much at all. Those points put on the board was not the fault of the defenses, but the Duke game, we did see some bust, um, some poor fundamentals for poor tackling, but again, early in the season, you're shaking off some rust. Not, not sure what to think about them yet. I, I mean, you're, you're right about that. I, I, the defense played well in this game, but they Charleston Southern scored 13 on North Greenville in the previous week. So anything less than, you know, shutting them down on, on, on almost every drive was, was going to be bare minimum. Uh, you see some individual standouts. You see some individual struggles. You mentioned like defensive end, Justin Maskell, you know, not to harp. I, I was glad he came back. I thought that was, we needed the depth, but you know, I, I've always said he's, he's a good player when he's in, on your two deep but he's if you're trying to fill a championship team you know it's, he's not the guy you want at end um I, i'm still i mean really like, like what i see on defense is a lot of softness uh that i said this last year that like the little bulls took his toughness to oklahoma and the same guys who were, who were coming back and again a lot of the same guys returned this year just left their toughness at home and and that could change. And we might, we might see some growth. We might see some guys like, uh, like uh, Trotter, you know, improve from injury or heal up from injury uh, and see a better overall product. But that, I mean, yeah, we're, I, I just, yeah, the book is still out on West. And I think right now the offense has everyone's attention and that's been the case the last three years. But I think as you know, not that we have any say in the long-term trajectory of the program, but sometimes when things are good, when you have a Trevor Lawrence, you tend to gloss over some of the weak spots and the decay that's happening. And I, I would say, don't gloss over, don't look, don't look past the defense. Cause there's, there's some problems that are starting to manifest and uh, um, look, you, you can, you can address it through recruiting and, and maybe some coaching, but uh, I'm seeing it. There is talent on the defense. So that's why my expectations are a little bit higher there. And there's young talent. Um as well. And I, I think we've been snake bitten by the offense before, whereas maybe we, we take a step back on the defense. Obviously we knew that with Brent Venables leaving that there was going to be effect there. He was too great of a coach uh, to not have a step down after that. But I think to your point, kind of the softness um, comment speaks to the, in, the difference in intensity level between Wes Goodwin and Brent Venables. So I, I think that's natural there. And we're going to have to allow time for Wes to grow into that role, um, you know, as long as he's the defensive coordinator. And I think what people actually forget too, is that Mickey Kahn is actually the co-defensive coordinator with him. And um, Dabo has him down on the field this year. Um, 
uh, as opposed to being up in the box last year. So I, I think we forget too at times. We, we we know Wes is the play calling guy, so we consider him the defensive coordinator. But there is that combo there between those two um, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things going on, and uh, I think part of it too is we're a bit unfair to Cade Klubnick. And again, thinking, and it was the same thing with DJ that they were going to come in like the Sean Watson or Trevor Lawrence. Like Cade, this was his third start um, in a Clemson uniform. Um, and unfortunately we were not away. We were not able to pull away from as many teams last year and get him a, some early playing time that would have really benefited him. Um, so, you know, lacking that, I think we're going to have to be patient with him. Um, anybody that thinks Hunter Helms with the game he had, um, should be breathing down Cade's neck, uh, for the starting position, I think is completely, um, off base. I think the talent that Kate has and the, the talent level that he brings with the potential is, is obvious that it's above anybody else, um, on this roster right now. We, we got to see a little bit of a uh, Vizina, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think it's a no brainer. Kate's the starting quarterback and it, he just needs time to, to get in there and get used to the college game. I haven't seen anyone make this argument that, and I'm sure someone's made it, that Cade should have got some more playing time last year. But to your point, there really was an opportunity for that to happen because we weren't pulling away. But more to the point, you know, that was an ACC champion last year. That was a pretty good team for, especially like six or seven games in, that was a pretty good team. It was a pretty good uh, quarterback that we had with DJ. So there really and. It's like you really didn't want to put the season at risk. Like there was a, a play, like playoff potential, but yeah, you're you're exactly right. Cade needs he needs some reps. That's why these Charleston Southern games are good, and you don't want like you know like a powerhouse like Duke uh, opening as the opener on your schedule because uh, you could get you know could get a little embarrassed. But what what I've seen for him is like the the game is moving too fast. I know that's a cliche. But anybody that's played sports, like you kind of know what it's like when you're just kind of frantic and you, you get tunnel vision, you're you're nervous. That's what I see from him. The game is is moving fast. All the parts that go on, like the line of scrimmage uh, in the Duke game with that Mafa fumble where Tolley pointed out in the last episode that, you know, he didn't see the blitz. He didn't see that coming. Uh, he didn't he didn't like change up a snap count or anything like he's seeing nothing, you know, but. I think these games do give him confidence. And if there was something promising, both in Garrett Riley's scheme, but also Cade's performances, they were throwing a lot over the middle. And that's something you didn't see last year. You're seeing a lot of like slants and just quick outs. And Cade's pretty good. You know, I mean, you, you could understand why he's good in those, in that, that sort of a, a route because he has one assignment. He can focus in on one guy and he just has to execute the throw. He's got, you know, two seconds dropping back in the pocket to wait for the route to unfold and he's letting it rip. But those are the kind of things like that give him confidence. And I think it, it opens up an element of our offense that's been missing for, I don't know how long, like since Hunter Renfro probably. So um, you're right. It's, it's his third start. He needs, he needs more time. I don't think we, the Clemson has enough time because we have some pretty good player or pretty good opponents coming up. But I, I think there's a little, little bit of uh a little bit of change in the sentiment um, after week two. What do, what do you think? Did you did you change your mind at all on what Kate is and what the offense is? Well, I think yeah, and it's good. Let's stick on the offensive side here and and, and what we're seeing. Um, my sentiment has changed in the sense that okay, I'm not expecting uh, this offense to be a complete 180 from last year as far as production. 
Um, I think people do overlook the fact, I mean, you heard it a lot after the first game, that this looks like the same Clemson offense, blah, blah, blah. Dabo must be calling the plays, blah, blah, blah. Well, that seems to be from all the reporting, all BS. And um, I think why it reminded people of the same Clemson offense from the last two years is because how much it struggled and some of the mistakes it made specifically the offense at the end of last season and all the turnovers they were having, but otherwise the, the scheming, the play calling that is different. Um, you know, a lot more, uh, two back sets, which I love, um, you know, less design runs. Um, I'm still, I still don't see this offense, uh, comfortable and kind of attacking in the middle of the field and obviously throwing the deep ball. Um, but hopefully those things will come. Um, I think for Cade, I have come to terms and am at peace with the fact that you're going to have to give this kid time, that he has a very high ceiling and just needs to be allowed that time to grow into, into this position. And I know you say that Clemson doesn't have a lot of time left. I'm like, yes, if we're talking about this season and the goal of winning the ACC or making the playoff this season, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that – at this point right now, any, any Clemson fan should be expecting an ACC championship caliber team at any point this season. Well, if that's the case and that's fine. And that's probably a good expectation to have. Like this is another rebuilding year, which is, which is tough to stomach. It really is after, and it's not that last year was bad. You know, it was a small bounce back, but you really hope to keep the momentum, especially as we're trying to make our way potentially to a new conference trying to ward off, you know, some of the bigger fish and in the NIL era, trying to bring in some recruits because these things, these kind of losses and these kind of stumbling, uh, the, the, the way that we've kind of trended down that hurts us in recruiting. So, uh, yeah, I can't remember my point there, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you, let you talk, Ben, you know, a lot more than I do. <laughs> all that, uh, I think pregnant brain is what they call it. Um, so, well, I, I think going back to last year, yeah, sure, we were 8-0 going into that Notre Dame game, but I think if you honestly ask Clemson fans, did you think we were a playoff caliber team at, at that point at 8-0, you know, we'd reluctantly say no, um, just because there were a lot of close games. The offense had started to look better. Um, you know, after that Wake Forest game, we were really excited. DJ putting up 371 yards through two overtimes, but then, you know, you worried about the defense. Um, and then we have a good little stretch after that. You beat Florida State 34 to 28 in uh Tallahassee, and that game was not nearly that close um, until some garbage time points at the end. Um, and then you had the Syracuse game, which was obviously a scare. Um, but I think if you took the honest assessment, like of what we saw out of that eight no team, that's not the same caliber of team that we had seen in 2015 and 2016. Um, you know, or even, you know, through the, the 19 title game. I mean, I've, I've often thought to myself the past couple of years, what would these offensives have looked like with Kelly Bryant at the quarterback position? Would we have fared better? And I honestly think so. Yeah. If there's a, if there's a big, you know, in retrospect kind of concept over the, over, you know, in the Dabo era, it's, it's thinking back to Kelly Bryant's tenure and, and maybe appreciate, appreciating him a little bit more because he didn't have, you know, all the tools, but man, he, he had a pretty solid year and you have to appreciate how he managed the offense that year and, and kept us. And that was a, that was a legit playoff team. You know, we, we didn't win the championship. We didn't win the semifinal, but that was a solid team. Uh, and I, going back to my point that I went where I lapsed there. Um, if you're thinking of this as a rebuilding year, 
I, that's a that's that's a tough pill to swallow because this isn't the team that's like stacked full of young depth, you know, a young talent. The, you know, there's a lot of guys like Barrett Carter, Will Shipley. You know, I can go on down the list of guys in their third, fourth year that Tyler Davis being in his fifth year, or I guess it's his fourth year. Um, I think fourth. Yeah. No, but, uh, I think it's, his, I think he got the, his fifth? yeah, that's right. That's right. So like, this isn't the roster where you're like, yeah, we have so many good, you know, so you're just putting in sophomores and freshmen to get ready for next year. It's not really that kind of a team. So it's, it's kind of like, you gotta, you gotta play for this year and this year, you know, we, we might not win the ACC, but you hope to see improvement, like linear improvement throughout the season, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we need to hang our hat on um, at this point moving forward is we just need to see a progression of this team getting better throughout the season. Like we can still lose to Florida State, but walk away from that game saying, wow, we're we're a lot better than I thought we were after the Duke game, right? And even, you know, Florida Atlantic coming up, um, you know, not a good football team, but I think we'll learn a little bit more out of that game than we will after the Charleston Southern game. I want to see, you know, all the dumb, the dumb mistakes as far as the turnovers and everything like that goes, or, you know, slowing down to a waltz before you walk into the end zone. Um, those things need to be cut out. And those are noticeable points of improvement that you can, you can pick up on against um, in these games against lesser teams. Um, I still don't think there's a chance in hell that we beat Florida state. Um just we've got a long way to go and i think the offense has a long way to go i i think the offensive line is going to be better than we had last year i think kate is going to need more than the four games this season to really um you know get comfortable uh with the speed of the college game and you know the the running backs we know what we have there shipley and Maffa, yeah they put the ball on the ground too but um you know two upperclassmen who are super talented and we'll be fine at that position. The wide receivers is the other one where we're still scratching our heads on. Now, you know, it's a little bit unfair to say that they haven't improved this year um, based on two games. You know, there were the drops in the Duke game, but there were some there was separation in the Charleston Southern game, and I think probably even in the Duke game, but Cade checking down too quickly. Um, not staying in the pocket long enough, getting a little bit antsy and getting rid of the ball too soon. Um, I think that keeps you from seeing any progression that the wide receivers might've made. So, you know, you go as the quarterback goes in college football. So I think first we're going to need to see Cade's level continue um, to really elevate before we have a full understanding, I think of how the wide receivers, um, you know, are going to perform. Um, again, I, I think the offensive line, the running backs that so far, so good, some warts for sure, but nothing that can't be cleaned up. I, I agree with that assessment on the wide receivers. There's still more, uh, more to see from Cade to, to get a, a better, you know, to get a better, uh, feel for how they're going to, how they're coming along. But I am coming around to the idea that this is, you know, the DJ, like the whole kind of narrative around DJ was, you know, you had the, it's the wide receivers fire Grisham camp and you had the, it's all, it's DJ. He's horrible camp. And, you know, sometimes those groups overlap, but it seemed to be like one or the other. And then of course there were the, well, it's the, you know, the kind of the fence sitters, it's the offensive line, you know, um, you know, it was obviously it was a combination of all this, all those things with coaching. But I, I do agree that the wide receiver unit, it's its just a far cry from what it once was. And Antonio Williams has been good. 
but similar, like I was talking about Mascal, if Antonio Williams is your second or third best receiver, you know, that's a, that could be a championship team, you know, but when he's your alpha, like when he's your best receiver with, with that much distance, like who's the second best, I guess, Bo Collins or you, is probably or you're, the second best. Or you're relying on Cole Turner to be the guy that goes down and makes spectacular catch, catches or, or Hamp Green. For that matter. <laughs> yeah. Hamp Green. Yeah. Yeah, it's you need and 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 Randall like I, I there's he has promise. He's still young. He, he was injured for you know a little bit of last year and you know rehabbing kind of as the season went along. But th- it's the talent level is just not there. And I you know I, I'll I'll say two things about you know kind of the Grisham experiment it hasn't been successful. Um, you can blame it on development, but you don't develop great receivers. Like please understand that you recruit great receivers and. That's the thing, you know, and NIL has an impact on that. I, I really question not his ability as a as a coach as much as his ability to recruit great players. So that's the opportunity cost for me with Grisham. It's you can, yeah, you can do a legacy hire, you know, a, a guy that played for Clemson if if the infrastructure, the coaching around him is already pretty well established and already has those recruiting pipelines. You're asking a lot from from a guy that's just just getting his start in coaching and i i think that's an obvious change and it's not it's not really grisham's fault he's been put into some an impossible situation for himself so that's that's my take on that um, right. I'll, i was gonna talk about the offensive line but i've talked a lot so i'll, I'll let you respond to that well I, I think you're saying it's Dabo's fault then for putting him in that position and we talk a lot about um you know the coaching and the lack of experience and the lack of development on this team all the things we're saying about hoping for improvement and just wanting to see um, you know, consistent improvement over the season. Uh, do we think that can happen with this coaching staff? I mean, Grisham at at wide receivers never coached before. Same thing with Spillett running backs. Thomas Austin, Georgia State, um, was his highest highest level of level of experience. And then Kyle Richardson, um, with the tight ends. Now, fortunately, we have Garrett Riley, um, in with, but still, even with him, only three years of experience. Um, FS or SMU and um, TCU. So again, as much as we we are are putting all our chips in on hoping that the players themselves improve, we have to see improvement, of, you know, within the coaching ranks too. And when you have so many green guys on that offensive side of the ball, um, you know, can can we reasonably expect that? Yeah, and I think you see the like when you see these like the drops and you see the you know, the interceptions and all the, what, what, what really you could chalk up to bad coaching. It's really, it's the cumulative effect of too many green coaches, I, I think on the field at the same time. And, and the other thing that's, that's interesting to me is the offensive line in that I've thought for the last two seasons, at least I, I thought the offensive line, this was going to had a chance to kind of progress because that's what ha- happens with offensive linemen, like, right. They, they're slow to develop, but you kind of see the talent there when they're young you know, you talk about Walker Parks, Will Putnam, um, Marcus Tate, they're coming along. Tristan Lee's a five-star. He's just going to need time. I'm like, this is going to be the best offensive line Clemson's had, and they can develop a new identity as a program. You know, if, if they can't go out and get the great wide receivers like they used to, maybe they can get more of the ground and pound, and that can just kind of be this new identity they develop. And that's not – it's strange to me how this offensive line – you know, it, and they can improve. They can improve. But it, to me, it's not a lot better than what we saw in the Deshaun Watson era with guys that were prim- mostly three-star with the occasional four-star. You know, now we got a guy, a group of you know seven or eight four-star players, some legit top 200 recruits, 
and you just don't see a ton of improvement, I don't think. Uh, and again, they, they look good in the second half against Duke. They look fine against Charleston Southern. So maybe as the season goes along, we'll see more from them. Well, I think we did see them improve last year on both run blocking and pass blocking. Um, and I mean, I agree with you on your take there that the star caliber is much greater on, especially these past two seasons on the offensive line than they were um, during those college football playoff runs. But we got to remember too, you know, the talent level that you had at quarterback then and always had great running backs and just supreme best wide receivers in the country. That takes a lot of pressure off of your offensive line because a, you can be more multiple um, on your offense, meaning being balanced in the the running and passing game, but also like you have to pay a lot of attention to those wide receivers and double team them sometimes because you know, those out, those alpha dogs go up and get the ball right over anybody. And now you don't have that threat. So you can send more defenders at the quarterback or you can stack the box more for the run. Now I think, in this year so far, people were probably expecting us more to be passing the ball downfield and played us as such. Um, and that has limited our downfield passing ability. Uh, but it has opened up the running game. Um, so again, I think I think it's earlier in the season um to really make that judgment, especially on the offensive line. But I do think that the talent level around them in the past, um or rather the the lesser talent around them now is probably taking a hit on our perception of them more than anything else. Agreed. And one other thing, it's like we everyone gripes about the portal with especially with wide receivers. It's like if, if you if if you don't want to go out and get the the best player in the portal and pay them handsomely, that's fine. But like let's let's prioritize blocking. If we're not going to get like, there's a lot of guys that would love to come to Clemson, and and they will they and they're probably just as good as some of the guys that are coming in now, and they will block. Uh, so like if you know if you can't if you can't get the the T Higgins and the Justin Rosses, Sammy Watkins, let's find guys that'll at least be willing blockers, so you can have some more. Uh, it'll open up the run game. Yeah, and you know that was the thing that really. Um, it still kind of gets me, especially with that Hamp Green catch, how everybody just blew up off the sidelines of that kid going up and OBJ in that ball. And I'm like, Jesus, y'all get so excited on the sidelines for that. Why can't our starters go out with that mentality and do that? You see the backup wide receivers, um, the second and third string guys out there, at least you know trying to block or putting in more effort. And I want to see that out of our first team. Um, and I think that's what when we talk about you know, the, the team being soft on both sides of the ball and what I'm actually really encouraged by, by a lot of the freshmen specifically on the defense that I see is they see, seem to have more of that, you know, get after it, um, get down and dirty mentality, right. And be dogs in the trenches. Um, whereas, you know, after those national championship runs, you know, in between the, you know, 18, 19, 20 seasons and into the present, our top line, you know, players, um, don't seem to have had that mentality. They're a bit more finesse. Yeah. W- what was so crazy about T Higgins, like the, the perfect, you, you mentioned like the offensive line, not needing to be as good because you had T Higgins and Justin Ross and they were not only special receivers, but they would block. They were very willing blockers. You add Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence to that. And you could see why, you know, you didn't need an A plus offensive line and God knows it wasn't an A plus offensive line or Trevor Etienne or Travis Etienne would have won. Uh, at least one Heisman. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you, you want to see toughness. And I, I know we, I feel like we harp on this and it's been 
the same thing for about two years now. It's it's systemic. There's systemic issues when you see softness because at, at some point it's not it's not a talent thing. Uh, there's some talent, not maybe not as much as we want, but you at least got to see some toughness. And that brings me back to the Tyler Grisham <laughs> conversation. <laughs> and that's kind of my point with him is that he's there's something where he's not able to reach these guys. <clears throat> and yes, you can't teach necessarily top end wide receiver, go up and get the ball type of talent that we saw with like, you know, Nuke and Sammy and Mike Williams and T Higgins and Justin Ross, but you can teach the fundamentals and those other things. And that's where we've been lacking. And so that's where I go back and, and look at coaching and not just Tyler Grisham, you know, all the way up to, to Dabo. Um, and this was both sides of the ball too, but yeah, the, the Bo Collins, um, you know, almost getting tackled or turning over the ball before that touchdown. That was a bad look. Um, <laughs> you know, was it the comment about not being in player shape by what Barrett Carter? Um, you know, all these things come into question with Duke sure as hell was in playing shape. Why weren't we? I, I, so I missed that. Barrett Carter said he wasn't in playing shape or they weren't. The team wasn't in playing shape. I think he wasn't in playing shape um, as in game shape. It's It's a difference, I guess. Um, your physical conditioning and everything versus when you're actually getting in the game, um, uh, you know, and taking hits and stuff like that. So I don't know, maybe that goes to the physicality in practice, but anyway, that, that just hearing that again, tells me that I, I've just I've seen something in the team in the past two years where I just don't feel like the coaching is resonating with them as much. And it just doesn't seem to be the same well-coached team that we've seen from Davo teams in the past. Uh, man, I'm starting to think there's this weird thing where after COVID, there's like a post-COVID, pre-COVID, where uh, it's like a, a firm line of delineation between uh, softness. It's like a, a generational thing. So we're just in the in the post-COVID soft <laughs> soft player era. Yeah, I, I guess I so. I mean, I, I guess all these players yeah. now wish they'd rather be working from home, right, than actually getting <laughs> in the office on the field. <laughs> they're they're quite they're quiet quitting at practice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Something's going. That's so crazy. That I, I and I didn't like read up on every article, but a lot of the feedback I was seeing was, this is the first time the the offense has been able to challenge the defense in practice. So I was thinking, oh, they're really going at it. There's a new offense and a new system that's not the same Tony Elliott. We know what's going to happen every play system, so the defense can just kind of sit back and, and and know what's coming. So I thought, you know, I'm surprised to hear that from Barrett Carter. And and there was also a lot, uh, I think Dabo just felt really confident about what he saw in practice. And I, I actually believed him. I don't think that was coach speak. So, yeah, that's strange. I think we believe Dabo <clears throat> a lot. You know, um, there's the criticizing in private, praising in public. And, um, you know, especially with the idea of Cade and his mentality is not obviously going out there and throwing him under the bus out in public after a bad game against Duke or ugly turnover against Charleston Southern. And that's what I appreciate um, about Dabo. I think that's, you know, anybody would say that that's a wise move as the head coach. But again, I think it's bigger issues. It's the little things, it's the fundamentals, it's all the turnovers and stuff that you see in this team. And it's not, you know, other college football programs live through the same COVID era and they're dealing with the same generation of kids and they're dealing with the same NIL and transfer portal stuff. So I think it's the way that you manage all that more so than the fact that you're having to manage all that. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, not to harp on a lot of the things you guys talked about last week and things we talked about over the last two years, but there's a lot of things that, um, 
that are systemic and it, it starts with coaching. And I always say offensive leadership. And I really meant that because I think the thing that really held Clemson together, maybe not more than anything, but was Brent Venables on defense. Like they had, that was something that Dabo didn't need to worry about. He had a head coach on the defensive side of the ball who held, who, who held guys accountable. And there was always going to be toughness. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of warts have just kind of started to slowly emerge and more unraveling as we've gone. And, and this is the product we we've, we're seeing now. There's still time to write the ship, but it's, yeah, it's, it's tough because to me, this is, this looks at least right now, the quality of what would probably be like 2010, maybe 2009 Clemson football. That's, and that's when Dabo started. So uh, it's amazing. It, 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 there's to me. There's one thing I thought about when I was listening to your episode, you guys' episode last week was, you know, there's a different skill set in getting the team from, you know, top 25, which is you know we're fringe 20, top 25 when Dabo started, to getting them to a playoff uh, caliber and then to national championship caliber. A different skill set to me is you know getting that team from A to B, then to to make a team sustain that success over a long period. It, it's almost like the same with companies. You know, a lot of guys have the, a lot of guys, a lot of people have the ability to grow companies, but they can't really manage them at scale. And that's kind of what I, I kind of see from Dabo. And I, I hope that's not the case. I hope he can find it within himself to, to get back on track, but it, it's, man, when, when the momentum downward starts, it's hard to stop it. And that's what we're seeing. I feel like. Well, as historic precedent uh, to make people feel better about it, you know, the company that created Wonder Bread did not stop there. It took them a while, but eventually, <laughs> 50 or 60 years later, they, they developed the Hostess brand um, that we all still know and love. So. Dude, where, where did you pull that out of? Are you, that's, that's some good stuff, Ben. Um, there you go. Well, before I, we <laughs> – that note, before we wrap it up with the offense here, I think the last thing that I'll, that I'll say is – um, it, it is becoming more and more obvious to me that, you know, we're, especially in that Duke game, our initial thoughts were like, this looks like, doesn't look like any different of a Clemson offense. The wide receivers still are doing the, you know, still have the drops, um, still have the poor blocking technique. Um, we saw the turnover issue. Um, and, and it's true. We saw all of those things, but I do really think that we're going to need to give Cade time to develop as a college quarterback. And as his play elevates, I think then you'll see the play around him elevate as well. I agree. I agree. And I think, like you said, the expectation is unfortunately not to see the improvement next week. It's probably to see the improvement by week eight or week nine. And that's unfortunate, but that's just the reality. Yeah. I think we're a lot better off this year. Um, Let's say we happen to to run the table or maybe find one more loss on the schedule and find ourselves in the ACC championship game um, or somehow sneak into a playoff or somehow sneak into, uh, um, you know, a January 6th or sorry. <laughs> what? What? What are you Freud saying? And, Freud and slip. Um, <laughs> January 1st um, bowl game that. Uh, I'd almost rather us see us take some hits early in the season, really go on a strong run towards the end of the year and still get like an upper tier bowl game um, and, you know, go out there and kick ass in that one versus get our ass kicked the other way around. So again, I think Clemson fans need to set their expectations and maybe adjust it from the ACC championship game. I know it's too early in the season uh to think about those things and we have the entire lot left in front of us and all our goals are still on the table and blah 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 but the reality 
uh, of the fact tells me that we need to be patient with this team. And we just, no matter where we end up at the end of the year, um, what, where we finish in the ACC or what bowl game playoffs or not, we end up in that if you take a look back and you see consistent improvement and really elevated play over the course of the year, I think that's probably, um, you know, the, the best outcome from the season. Otherwise you're just going to have this fool's gold where you, you know, going for a while, like we did last year going eight, no, um, where you think you're doing well, just based on the, the record next to your name and the, the ranking next to your name. But in reality, it's like a Potemkin city. Like it's not real. It's just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Yeah, I think the 2012 season would be a good model for what we could what we could hope for. Like, there's going to be some that if that was Brent Venables' first year, and we won, we beat LSU at the very end of the year. It was at the Chick Fil A Bowl, and that was a pretty that was a really good LSU team. So that was a that was a season where there was a lot of pain. We lost to South Carolina. We we got uh, we got beat by Florida State. It wasn't the blowout year, but it, we did get beat by Florida State. So I, I expect some pain in this season, but you still want to see improvement and then ho- hopefully end uh, at a high point. And then yeah, hopefully uh, roll into next year with a little bit more confidence. So let's pivot now to the defense. All right, Cody, jumping off of what you just ended there with on the offense, I think it's actually quite the opposite on the defensive side of the ball as to where – I'm not so sure looking at the talent that we'll be losing this year and what we have coming in for next year, that this isn't the season where we really need to take advantage of, of how good that group is. Now we we've talked about the weaknesses we've seen and maybe the lack of intensity after Brent Venables leaving, but as a whole in this defensive side of the ball, you know, not just what you're seeing on the team this year and the things we've talked about of kind of being not as physical, not as, um, having the same intensity as far as the personnel goes. Um, do you see that this year is maybe a wasted opportunity if we're not able to kind of go deeper in the postseason and take advantage of this group that we have? Yeah. And I, if you look at the talent and all the returnees, like returnees, is that a word? The returning players, it's, you know, th- this would be a year where Brent Venables would would milk every ounce of the experience and talent and, and make it into something like a top five defense. And what we what we've seen, at least in two weeks, is not really, in my opinion, a top five defense. And with the way the the depth chart, the roster stacks up, it's I mean, sure, you have Peter Woods, uh, Wade Wood as you have some some good players, but there's just not enough talent. I don't see in your uh, going into next year to, to think that you know, you're, it's going to be any, any better from a talent level overall. So yeah, if, if you waste Tyler Davis and Rook returning and, and, and even having the, just the depth of XT and, and Maskell, uh, Barrett Carter and, and uh, Barrett Carter and, and uh, Trotter probably in their last season. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a wasted opportunity, I, I would say. And I think especially if, I mean, I think this, as you look across this depth chart, is that there's going to be a lot of gaps moving into next year that the portal could certainly help fill. Um, Now, we're really excited about what we see out of Peter Woods and TJ Parker, but those are two guys across the defensive line that is going to lose four starters, Um, right? So you're going to have to then replace those guys at the linebacker position, definitely losing two of our starters this year. and what lost Dudley early in the season um, or before the season started being kicked off the team. And so a real lack of depth there. Then you go to look at the secondary, a lot of juniors and seniors and super seniors, right? Filling out the the starting rotation. Um, 
So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of holes on this defense coming in last year. I know we've been recruiting well, but it's going to take time to get those players up to speed. But you, you look at the starters on this Clemson defense for this year, you're going to be replacing a lot of those names leading into next year. And honestly, as I look down it, maybe Nate Wiggins is the only starter. Nate and Wade Wood as two guys that you have for sure coming back next year. Yeah, and well – What's some what's kind of scary to think is if this if the year looks a lot like the Duke game where you know if things don't get better and if I'm Peter Woods or Parker or even I don't know even if I'm uh, Nate Wiggins and I'm sticking around college football do I want to go play do I want to stay in the lowly ACC playing for you know a middling Clemson team or do I want to you know go into Cal and Stanford uh, or do I want to do I want to play, you know, go to Alabama for a year and, and you know, lift my draft stock? You know, I, I maybe that's a little premature to think like that. But, yeah, the, there's there's some talent that will anchor the team. But will that talent even want to stick around if things don't get better? Well, I think it helps if you have an excitement <clears throat> for the offense coming back. All right. So you've got, you know, the other side of the ball that's going to help you out. And I will remind you that both these kids um, uh Woods and Parker committed during the NILL era, committed during the transfer portal era. So, um, you know, they committed to the school. So I'm not necessarily thinking that they're going to be up and ready to leave after one season, especially when they're definitely going to be starters um, next year. Um, but that is a good point. Um, and that's why the past several seasons, why during the offseason, I really don't pay attention much to recruiting at all um, because I've seen enough four stars um, leave this program or five stars not pan out um, that, you know, I, I can't put a lot of stock in to, to who we have coming in until I see them get on the field and play um, and, you know, feel like, A, they're going to be talented enough to, to find a spot on this defense um, or team in period or stick around. Right. Um, so I do think, yeah, I mean, that's certainly a good point. And I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching too. Like how connected are they with their coaches? What do they think about, the level of coaching they're getting and how that's going to elevate their, their potential NFL prospects. Um, but kind of going back to my, my original point, you know, this is the defense we have this year. Um, and even though we have these experienced guys, upperclassmen, there still seems to be some holes in it. And we talk about player development. Yes. We've got Tyler Davis, but do you, did Tyler ba Davis seem better this year than he was his freshman year? No, and that's that's a strange one to me. But I, I, I mean, maybe he is a little better. Uh, but I, he, yeah, he, he, yeah, and that that's, it also speaks to how good he was as a true freshman in 2019. But and let's remember the guys yeah. he had around him then. Wait, well, that not year, not a t that, he had Isaiah Simmons around him, but it wasn't a great team. But yeah, he, he really he really shined. Uh, but yeah, if you talk, if you want to talk about player development, uh, he has battled injuries, but he's not a shining example of, of player development. That's for sure. Yeah. So across this defense as a whole, you know, we're talking about we want to see a lot of improvement uh, from the offensive players this year to to make us feel good about that. Um, as far as what we want to see on this defense this year is, a, I think we need them to live up to their billing now right? We can't wait for them for this season to get better as the season goes along. I want to see that in the FAU game. I want to see that in the Florida State game. I want that to be the thing in the Florida State game that actually keeps us in it. Whether or not the offense can actually do their part and keep us up, whatever. But I think as far as this season is concerned, we need to see them hit 
um, you know, that next gear sooner than later. Now, yeah. I don't believe we, I think we have to take the Duke game with a grain of salt and obviously the Charleston Southern game. Right. And so what you're saying is like with the, with the offense, your expectations are, are lower, you're placing them a little lower, but the defense are much higher. And, and if that's, I mean, I agree with that. And I, I think that's why you hold West to a higher standard and that, I, look, if they can't keep us in games this year and, and we should hold them to a higher standard, by the way, there's, there's talent, there's experience. I mean, Dabo's got to be like, that's the kind of move where that he made with Streeter, you know, removing Streeter to get Riley. Like you've got to make, you can't let Wes figure it out. You don't have that kind of time. Um, I hope, I hope Wes does figure it out and I hope things improve, but I, I think he's, he's where I'm, even though the offense has been really poor, that's where my attention is in terms of like, that's where the expectations are. Well, and I think it's reasonable to think that if the defense does have a less than stellar showing this year with the talent we do have on this team, that he's rightfully on the hot seat. Now, again, I think it's way too early to, to make that, um, you know, prediction that that's how it's going to go. Um, and I think we need to give them the benefit of the doubt after the first two games this season. Uh, but we're about to find out really soon in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you don't have to fire him or anything like that. It's just like maybe he's not fit to be a DC. Maybe he needs to be a, a co-defensive coordinator or, or an assistant. And I hope, uh, you know, hope I come back to eat my words and he ends up being like, a you know, a great defensive coordinator. But I, you know, so far I don't quite see it. And granted, he is, uh, you know, he's trying to fill the shoes of the best defensive coordinator in the country for like the last decade. So, he, you know, it's it's not a it's a tall task, to say the least. Well, not to mention that he also was given that job at the same time Streeter was given that job on offense. Like it was a wholesale turnover um, um, on the on the coaching staff, or at least in the coordinated positions on both sides of the ball. Um, to whereas maybe in the past you have a Clemson offense that can really cover up some of those weaknesses by putting up a lot of points. You don't necessarily have you didn't last year, and you, you we're not sure what we're going to see out of it this year um, from the offense, right? So again, I think that's why. Um, there is more of an urgency to see this defense get up to speed and play up to what we think their ability is, what we predicted their ability to be at the beginning of the season. Um, and so the onus and, and spotlight for me is on them, again, especially since they have so many guys that have proven themselves in the past starting on this football team. Now you get to the depth part, that's where it gets a little shaky. And if we do start losing some games this season, the defense is not playing as good as you would have hoped it to then I kind of want to see some of these younger players definitely start cycling in and getting more playing times. I mean, I'm, I'm already ready for, for, um, you know, Parker to eclipse Maskell on the depth chart. Um, even though I know they played two different sides of the opposite spots on the defensive end position, but my guess is that's interchangeable. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think if he doesn't supplant Maskell by the end of the year, it doesn't matter. Strong said, weak said, like something has gone wrong. Because uh, he has, he has flashed and he's been a, you know, one of the, like, I'm trying to think of the last defensive end that we've gotten excited about. Uh, you know, Miles Murphy had the potential and he did flash at times, but uh, Parker has a, a lot of upside. And yeah, you, you want, you don't only need him for development for, for next year, but you, you, you're going to need him for this year as a starter at some point. Yeah, maybe even by the Florida State game. <laughs> maybe. And he's gotten tons of snaps, Parker has, and so has Woods so far this year. So I think there's an obvious acknowledgement there that both those guys need to be ready, you know, after the first third of your regular season. Um, you know, whereas you get to, like, the linebacker position, who do you have behind Carter, 
and Trotter and Wood as you look at the depth chart and there aren't really names there um, that too many people are going to be familiar with. Yeah, I, I suppose you're going to be relying on, on Sammy Brown next year, which he's a good one. He's a good one. But, uh, you, you know, know hard it is to come as a true freshman and play linebacker. Right. Or, or I, even redshirt freshman. Because we have recruited some five-star linebackers, some really good ones, and very, very few of them have made much of an impact in year one. So I don't have high hopes. And so I'd say, you know, the same thing for the – I'm very happy with the the production of the defensive tackles. I think Peter Woods is definitely going to continue to get um, plenty of snaps this year. I think we de- we have more depth there too, some guys that are injured that will be coming back this year. Um, when you do get to the secondary, the cornerbacks and the safeties, again – super seniors, juniors, you start looking down that list. Yeah, you have a couple guys like Toriana Pride, um, Jaden Lucas, Sherrod Coville, who have been on this team a couple of years and have some experience, but are they going to be ready to step up into starter shoes next year? And then who do you have coming behind them? Yeah, the, the cupboard's getting a little bare, but I, I do, I, you know, I do like, I do like that, you know, I do like the guys that you mentioned. Um, and I, I don't think there's a big drop off from, from Lucas and uh, pride, you know, versus the first string guys right now. And I think it's two different questions. Can Wes Goodwin coach, can he be a good coordinate, good coordinator versus can he recruit at the same level that Venables did? Yeah, that's a, I mean, emphatic, no, not, and that's not even, it's just that Brent Venables was a relentless recruiter. And I, I think this was probably something that didn't get mentioned. I think he was often frustrated with, I think he, he appreciated Dabo, admired Dabo in a lot of ways. I think he was, he got frustrated with them on the recruiting. I think he wanted to take a few guys sometimes and he, he couldn't, but, uh, but yeah, Brent Venables was an amazing recruiter. I think you, I think he'll be good at Oklahoma just because of, for that reason, if nothing else. Yeah. And so I guess like the, what I'm really trying to say here and really trying to tie in the transfer portal aspect about this. Yes. Davo maybe technically was right that the transfer portal is not why we lost the Duke game, but it's one of the several pieces um, and, and, and several things that probably contributed to that. And will also contribute to whether or not Clemson does or does not have success moving forward. Um, and I'm really highlighting the defensive side of the ball here is where I see the most gaps um, coming into next year. Um, and if you want to keep performing at the high level and the the standard that Davo has set with the fan base, and the, if we take him at his word, the standard that he sets for himself and the team, um, then I just don't know. I just don't know how you're going to do that moving forward um, without getting some supplemental help. But maybe this is the type of season, maybe the last two years and this year could be the type of the season that move him in that direction. Um We'll see. Time will tell. I, I, well, you know, I, I didn't even realize that's what you were kind of getting at, but because I don't, I didn't even consider that as an option. I, I look at the roster. I look at the guys that are coming in uh, as depth right now that are developing, like like Lucas, like Peter Woods and Parker, and I, I don't think of any kind of supplemental help from the portal as an option. And even if Dabo does go that route next year, I don't see it as like, hey, we we brought in seven new guys on the defense. Maybe they bring in one guy. You know, that I, I just can't see him changing his philosophy and doing it, you know, all right, I'm all in now. You well, know? I don't, and, yeah. I don't think we need seven new guys necessarily, but I think you need to give Wes Goodwin an opportunity um, to, to keep his job. You know, if you're not giving him all the tools that he needs, um, meaning you're not utilizing the transfer border that every other team in the country is using, then is that fair to him? 
as a defensive coordinator in this day and age of coaching college football? It, I mean, I guess not, but I, I just don't see it as an option. And I have to say, I, I like, I like trying to differentiate, like, you know, the, the we're zigging while we're, we're zagging while there's zigging, but and in it, there is a there is something to selling, you know, the fact that you don't take in transfers. But look, the recruiting is 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 taking a, a small step back. I would imagine it's going to continue to do so with with the performance on the field. I, I don't see it as a viable option. And I, I also think with NIL, there's there's other there's packages that go into it. There's payment that goes into that, and we don't Clemson doesn't have those either resources or the will to to move forward with that. So I I, I just don't see it as I think he's going to, that the odds are going to be stacked against him from that standpoint. Well, what I do know is there's definitely a lot of conversations that go on behind the scenes, behind closed doors uh, within the Clemson football program that we're not privy to, that the national media is not privy to, um, and that we also have to take that into consideration when, because otherwise we're just speculating here. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we're just basing that of what, what we've seen. Um, off of Dabo's actions in the past and because we're not doing as well these past few years as we had you know in the the 20 teens um, that we just assume that that you know that's the problem and he's not going to change I think we need to give him the opportunity to do that Um, will it happen yeah it's hard to predict yeah I'm I'm not optimistic but uh you're strong now yeah I just I don't I don't see him it's him changing and and that's fun on uh but you got to be you got to be really good well that's another thing too like the evaluation uh, of you know one of the the hallmarks of the the glory days uh the dynasty if you'll call it that was the evaluation on players like cleveland farrell and, and austin bryant i could go down the list ben bulware they they picked the four-star guy that might have been a top 100 maybe not a five-star maybe top 200 player and they almost hit on all of those the hit rate was incredible and that goes to evaluation so if they're going to play that game of pick them out of high school and and pick the right ones, like they got to, they got to have a very high hit rate. Yeah. Your evaluation needs to be better, but at the same time, a lot of those guys, again, they weren't all four stars. Some, some of them were three stars too. They, they weren't superstars their freshman or sophomore years. They took development from good coaching. So you need that as well. I suppose. I, yeah. Some of it's development and some of it's just time. And that's the other factor. Some of the guys won't wait. You know, for two years, if they're buried on the depth chart, they'll transfer. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough time. It's a, it's a tough time. And well, and there's, and we, you, get, yeah. we talk about all this without the benefit of of you know hindsight, right? We don't know what things are going to be like in the future, two years down the road, three years down the road, four years down the road in college football. You know, when they break away from the NCAA and form their own league or whatever, <laughs> and what the transfer rules end up being and stuff like that. So, I mean, NIL, I think it's obviously here to stay. Kids are going to get paid. Um, the transfer thing, let's see how it plays out. I think we're all way too early um, in all of this. You're already seeing the NCAA come down and, you know, get a crackdown on the North Carolina wide receiver. Um, and they still have some regulations against guys that transfer twice. Um, now, is any of that going to stick or is it a moot point? Because um, at this point they're you know, a lame dunk um, organization. Um, we'll see, but I just know what, what I can say from hindsight is just seeing how fast things have rapidly evolved and changed over the past two years, two, three, four years. Um, I think it would be foolish to think that two, three, four years down the road, that the landscape and um, how things uh, operate and function in college football are going to be the same as they are now. 
Yeah, I mean, but I don't see it going back to the way it was, right? Like it, it. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Unless so, there man, is yeah. some breakaway league that turns into a semi-pro league or like a minor leagues for the NFL, they'd have to be bought in on that. Of course, they're not because it doesn't bring them any more money. Um, and then you just go back to being amateur athletes in college football, but that that's a ways yeah. down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what the ACC, they'll just form their own, you know, bi-coastal league and it'll just operate independently of the Big Ten and SEC. And then Clemson can get back to the top. And you see the genius in that, right? The all coast <laughs> conference, like it makes total sense. Like we don't give the ACC brass enough credit for really, you know, the foresight. Yeah. They, they are creativity. Yeah. I thought it was the American. I thought that would be at the American coastal conference, but all coastal that works too. Yeah. There's already an American conference. And then as you, when you go all coastal, then we can start bringing in Canadian teams to fill those gaps, you know, ca Canadian schools. I love it. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. That'll, you know, get prime time on Spike TV <laughs> on Wednesdays. <laughs> I'm ready to see more women out there. I feel like that's that's the one thing that's lacking. We need more diversity. Some more kickers. <laughs> or linebackers. I'm, I'm I mean, impartial. I mean, that girl that kicked for Vandy, was that any different than what you saw at a, 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 a RG3 in the first game this year? <laughs> she, she was good. She, you know, it's the I'm last just ceiling. I was holding her back, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Well, Cody, that's, that's our yeah, take, right? We digress. Yeah. We digress a we, lot here. We digress a lot. Two games into the season, one against a Duke team that was, you know, very disappointing, but is going to be better than the Duke teams that we're used to seeing, which I think is part of the, uh, part of the reason for our, our reaction after that one. Um, but still um, with the aspirations and the expectations that have been set, past several years of this program and even in the way Dabo just talked about this program leading into this year certainly that was a huge disappointment not a lot we're going to take away from the Charleston Southern game FAU is going to be a little bit better team again I think we need to see ourselves um, limit the mistakes limit the turnovers see more intensity see these guys with their heads in the game um, because the week right after that you've got the Seminoles coming into Death Valley um, I actually think it's a good thing that it's a noon game um, instead of a night game, uh, I think that's going to be a little bit harder maybe for Florida State to get up for, um, especially since they've already played in a, a nighttime, a really high-intensity um, nighttime environment against LSU a couple weeks ago. Um, I know Clemson fans aren't happy about it. I'm certainly not happy about having to wake up at um, 8 in the morning to get the bar at 9, but um, I, I do think maybe that is a good thing to kind of bring the hype down with that game a little bit, let the kids settle in. And go out there and play their best football. I, I'm not expecting a win. I don't care what happens with Florida Atlantic this week. I don't see myself predicting a win for that game, but I definitely want to see a better fight than we saw against Duke. Agreed. Okay, Cody, before we wrap it up here, I know you haven't been able to watch a lot of college football. Have you been following the phenomenon that is Dion and Shadur Sanders? You know, I, I haven't. So I would like to, I can tell you like from my, you know, from afar, how I perceive it. And you could tell me if I'm, if I'm missing a lot of the, the point, it, it seems that he came in like fully embracing the, the pr pretty much the professional model. And he, he ousted some of the current guys on the roster, which, and then that, that didn't sit well with a lot of the, the kind of the old school coaches that, 
you know, want, want to believe that there's there's more of the student athlete and a commitment to the student athlete. Uh, and he's kind of mar- he's just not marrying. He is uh, he's just full blown professional league, and it's going pretty well so far. But am I missing like what, what else is the what's the scuttlebutt been? Define scuttlebutt. Um, it's not <laughs> typically in my vocabulary as an architect. Um, no, I mean, I would say as far as he's concerned, everybody's getting on Deion Sanders. They hate it. Um, they hate what he's gone in there and done. I think a lot of it is just because he's a very confident, cocky um, guy. Um, he speaks with conviction. And I think that pisses a lot of people off. Um, and my point is he's played within the rules. He's done with the, you know, worked with the system and put together a football team. And he's 2-0 and right now, which is better than Clemson is. Um, and he's got an entertain, an entertaining team uh, that he's put on the field. So um, I say more power to him, you know, especially like the way he's been able to rise in the coaching, the college coaching ranks and, and done what he's done so far. I mean, I guarantee you he's a hard worker. Um, his team seemed really well coached um, in that first game um, against TCU that I was able to watch. I get, didn't get to see the Nebraska game last week, but the, the stat line pretty much tells it all. So I just, you know, I think, you know, when you when you're great like that and you come in and shake things up and make a lot of noise, it's going to ruffle people's feathers. So is the reason that people are mad at him? Is it because of how he's come in and he's was it was it the ousting or telling players, hey, you're done. You don't have a scholarship. Is, is oh, that was there, definitely, other things. I think it was definitely yeah. a big part of it. Um, but it's the transfer portal era. And I think. I'm not sure the specifics. I'm, did he really kick everybody off the team, or like here, this you have, you know, this is your option, or maybe I might pull your scholarship. You're gonna have to earn it. But they were a one in eleven team the year before that. Like <laughs> he's trying to skip that first, you know, two years of being crap, and then all of a sudden you're on the hot seat after the third year. He just completely eliminated that by turning over his roster in the way that he was allowed to in the current era of college football. Am I gonna blame him for that? No. Well, well, it's. You know, it's one of those rare things where I I sit in the middle and I see it both ways because there are players who go to college and I I can't speak to the 2022 Colorado roster, but there are certain players that signed on to a coach and and their family signed on to a coach. And and they said, I want to spend my next four or five years here with you to develop me to develop me as a man, as a as a student athlete, as a football player, everything. And he just, you know, kind of just said, you know, crapped all over that the student athlete model the the amateur model what college football is has supposed to have been up until 2021 right but the reality is it's it's been a professional model masquerading as an amateur model for 20 plus years and, and yeah, he's he just he just had the balls yeah he just had the balls to come out and treat it like it is but I do see it both ways still I, I do see like those play it, to the extent there's players that didn't get to the, retain their scholarship I, you know, I, I do sympathize with them. No, I get that. And I think, I think we're still in that kind of that crossover era where, um, you know, even though we're going to say like, yes, kids can get paid. Now, if you can get paid for doing something, you can be let go just as easily. That's, that's real life. And you're going to find that out yep. when you do graduate and go into the real world to get a real job. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of these guys that are kind of caught in between um at this point as we transition from that one era to the next and now we'll see it's two games into the season um we don't know how good tcu is i know they just came off a national championship run last year um nebraska 
I'm not going to really, you know, start thinking Colorado's a top five team because they put a beating on Nebraska, but so far so good off to a good start. We'll see how it holds up. Um, again, he could just be a flash in the pan, but so far I think he's pulled all the right levers and they've been a pretty <laughs> exciting team to watch. Yeah. Well, frankly, I'm glad that Colorado is not on our schedule next week. I, I don't think I'd want to play them right now. Um, nope. Otherwise, Georgia, South Carolina this weekend, I think that's one of those games where Clemson fans, you know, watching a non-Clemson football game can get a little um, pleasure, hopefully watching South Carolina go into to Georgia and get their ass kicked. Um, so can I, well, can I ask you, cause I, I almost, I don't like Georgia probably more than I don't like South Carolina. So I, I think really? that's one of those games yeah. because, yeah, I don't know. It depends on what type of, I guess, what era of Clemson fan you are. Um, I grew up kind of in, you know, I really got into Clemson football in the 90s, early 90s, mid 90s. And that was kind of after um, the big Georgia rivalries back in the day. Um, obviously, we've played them since then, but Georgia hasn't been a national championship caliber team until the past couple of years. So I don't have the same kind of hatred for Georgia. Um, I also haven't been to a game in Athens, which I hear really changes your perception, but I have been to a game in Williams Bryce, a couple of them actually the last one being 63, 17. And I refused to ever go there. again. <laughs> I can, I have been to Athens and I can tell you all of the rumors are true. They, that is a, a rotten fan base with, I would say delusions of grandeur, but they've actually won two championships. So they 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 were already bad enough when they were like top twenty. Now that they've yeah, I can't even imagine how bad they are now. So I I would love nothing more than for South Carolina to upset them. They're a twenty eight point favorite over South Carolina. Georgia is so. So let's go, Cox. Are you taking that line? No, no. I I think Georgia's going to cover. <laughs> I think they're going to cover. They'll probably win by fifty. I have really haven't had an opportunity to watch them yet this year. Um, you know, I know they've put up some some numbers, um, some points on the scoreboard, but that maybe um, whoever that quarterback of theirs is now um, taking over for Setson Bennett. You know, then the same thing with Ohio State. You know, McCord's been giving the starting job there, and I don't think anybody is is exactly. Um, you know, ready to pencil him in for a Heisman quite yet. And same thing with the Georgia quarterback. So, yeah. Hey, it's early in the season, three games in. I think the same way that we talk about these other teams, Alabama has a loss down to Texas. It does give you a little bit of optimism for, for Clemson moving forward this year and maybe with some improvement. Um, you know, playoffs still are in order, at least an ACC championship game, um, appearance or win. So we'll see. I think once you get into the 12-team playoff era, then – definitely those early season losses aren't going to hurt you as much. And it's going to be able to reward teams, younger teams specifically who grow throughout the year. Um, but we're not there yet. Yeah. We're, we're kind of back in that, you know, 2000, you know, before the championship years, the early Dabo years, we're looking at these teams at the top from afar and we're just, yeah, we're, we're so far from them that we can't even, yeah, we can't even think about a playoff right now. No, and I think ultimately for me, um, again, I, I'm basing this off of what I've seen from this team this year and kind of with a little bit of scar tissue from the last couple of years. 
But I think ultimately, even if we don't make the ACC championship game um, at this point, that if you end the season with, I don't know, maybe three regular season losses, one of those definitely being to Florida State, a win over Notre Dame and South Carolina would go a long ways towards making this Clemson fan base a little bit more happier with how the season turned out. Yeah, there's there's still some moments to salvage the year. I think, let me end on a positive note, I think Garrett Riley, like, it's going to get better. There's no way. I mean, he he totally transformed TCU and SMU. The The talent is there, at least relative to those teams. Like, there's no reason that this won't get better. It, it, I mean, I, hate to say, I don't want to say it can't get worse, but it really can't get worse than what it was against Duke. So, and and also, I'm sure he's concealing the playbook. He's taking a page out of the Streeter Skelly uh, you know book, and uh, he's just concealing. There's there's still 75 percent of the playbook that's left to be seen. I'm sure that's all it is. Well, not to mention, like he's had less than a year again to to install his offense. Um, so, I mean, whereas before we're holding back the playbook not to show our hand, like now they're still learning it, right? Yeah. Um, the the pace I didn't mention this the pace the way the guys get to the line and they and they snap the ball especially with the run running backs that we have that is a clear improvement and that's coaching and that's like the that's the lone, lonely bright spot but I, I definitely see them getting to the line really quickly and, and utilizing pace and I'm glad to see that I don't know why we didn't do that the last five years. Um, good question, but let's not dwell on that. But I think that's a very good point to end on. Um, this is a different Clemson offense. It's a different Clemson offensive scheme. Um, Gabo's not there in the headset um, overriding all the play calls, um, like all the speculation says there is, and as you know, we've at times speculated before on this show. Um, it's just, it's a, it was a tough pill to swallow, the Duke game starting the season like that. But you know what? Would you think any more highly of this team had we won that game 21 to 17 and it was kind of an ugly game? Like, are we really in any different position other than one more win and one less loss on the schedule at this point of the year? I don't think so. I mean, there's something to be said. Like, those are not to talk too much about the Duke game, but because we talked a lot about it. But yeah, I think that, I think winning 21 17 would have been better than losing 28 7. Well, it definitely would have been, but is that. <laughs> <laughs> how I mean, much does are, that change like if you really ask yourself how much better does that tell us that team was I, I don't know I and mean, we certainly should have won that game um but here we true. are well the good news is a lot of season left starting with florida atlantic uh coming up this weekend eight o'clock primetime game on the acc network let's see if they actually show the whole game um we'll see guessing nothing comes on after that all right, Cody, good to have you back on the show. We'll wrap it there. How much more should we expect to, to have you back on this season? Uh, if we keep losing and I get really salty, I, I'd like to come I'd like to come on with Jarrett and just hot take it. <laughs> just make some stupid comments about, you know, burn it all down uh, just out of anger. I'd, I'd love to come back for that. All right, great. Well, we're, we're penciling you in for the losses, so we'll see you back here in a couple weeks after the Florida State game. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, again, folks, a lot of that and Jess, we're still looking forward to the rest of this season. Uh, thanks for everybody. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining us, listening to the Clemson podcast all these years. You can find us at Clemson podcast on X. Is that Facebook? We- Clemson podcast at gmail.com. S- Snapchat. On- 
Snapchat, uh, TikTok now. TikTok. Yeah. Do they have an Instagram account? Because that's probably is something that we're aging ourselves if we don't. Um, we do, we'll put, no, we, we we'll don't put, have an Instagram account. No. We'll put Jared on that. That's his generation. Um, go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review, please. Um, or on whatever podcasting app you may prefer. And until next time, go Tigers. couple takes here um we do this welcome back god damn it get a little bit lower lower your voice yeah i think my voice cracked um (laughs) (laughs) speak speak from your stomach (laughs) not not the back of your throat (laughs) this is like welcome back (laughs) this is like the only thing tully's good for on this show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> getting us started uh, I had some bad jokes at the beginning